Hello, it is 7 a.m. in New York, 1 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 6 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Shenander Bean from sundaybean.com, and I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations. And I'm on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. You might fall into one of three categories when it comes to how you got into living a globally mobile life. One, maybe it's a way of life. Your parents paraded you around the world, continent after continent. So you just sought out a similar life. Two, maybe you fell in love and you moved across the world to be with that special someone. Three, Maybe you or your partner consciously said yes to a life abroad for career reasons, but also because it matched your values of cultural learning and adventure. Of course, there are more categories, but for the third group, the word repatriation feels more like a threat than returning, quote, home. Just the thought of it sends chills up your spine. <laughs> what do you mean in this life of living abroad? How dare you suggest we need to stop living the only life we know as a family, right? Repatriation and what if we have to falls into one of the tough questions expats love to avoid. Last week, we kicked off our three-part series on tough questions expats love to avoid. In episode 252, Expat Power Couples with Yvonne Kwa, we asked, whose career is it? Yours, mine, or ours? In this week's episode, we explore the question, what if we have to repatriate? Angela Weinberger from Global People Transition joins us to get answers. This conversation was originally featured inside my private Facebook community, but it was so good, I wanted to share it with everyone. Stick around and learn why everyone needs a repatriation plan, even if it's the last thing on your mind, what you need in place in case it happens before you're ready, and the good news if you're forced to retire early or hungry to make a shift later in life. So before we dive in, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about Angie for those of you who might not know her. She is a global mobility coach and she has over a decade of experience, 25 years in international human resources, over a decade coaching, and she's specialized in global mobility for Germany and Switzerland. More about Angie, she supports minority expats looking for income in the host country and those looking to build high-performing global virtual teams, both of which are challenging in the Swiss and German context, I know from living there myself. She has a long, long list of qualifications, including being a part of Expat Coach Coalition and as a licensed facilitator of Adapt and Succeed Abroad. So welcome Angie here with us today. Thanks so much for inviting me to the show again, Sunday. So I am excited. One of the things I love about Angie is she's so committed to bringing the human touch back to global mobility. For those of you who have been moved abroad through an organization, you know that might be what's missing based on your experience. Um, she's got a very down-to-earth writing style. You might recognize her from her books called The Global Career Workbook or The Global Mobility Workbook. Takes really complex topics and they're so easy to digest and actually fun to read. Um, so that's one thing 
I really appreciate about Angie. And she is really recognized um, in Europe as a consultant and lecturer for global mobility and intercultural management. She's also lived and worked abroad in the UK, in Australia, in India, is in a binational or bicultural relationship. So in other words, she really, really gets it. <laughs> so Angie, you chose among all of the things that you've got deep experience on repatriation today. Tell us why is that the topic that you felt close to your heart to speak about? Yeah, Sandra, you might not notice, but it's one of the reasons why I actually started my company. Oh, I um, didn't know that. Yeah, because I always felt when working inside the corporate world in global mobility that there's a missing link between talent management, the needs of the individual expats and their families mm -hmm. and their careers. Mm. And it often boils down and becomes really evident in the repatriation process. Mm -hmm. Maybe not so much while the expert family is still abroad, but in the repatriation process, what often happens, there's either no role left for the person mm -hmm. to return to, mm -hmm. or the company offers them a severance package, or there is a role, but it's usually a disappointment. Mm -hmm. Which is actually counterintuitive because many people think if I take this role abroad, it's going to be a great opportunity and it's going to skyrocket my career. So you're inside the industry. You see this all the time. You heard mm -hmm. it here first. <laughs> so pay attention, right? You've got four topics that you wanted to, to offer today around this topic based on your experience. I'm going to give the floor to you and have you get started. Yeah. So let's let me just dive into what I think is the most important and critical aspect here to understand for every expat. And when I do briefings, I still work in the field uh, occasionally. And when I do briefings with expats, I always tell them that is, you know, you need to own your own career. Mm -hmm. um, no employer will take care of your career. It's your responsibility and you have your own brand and, you know, no matter whether you have worked with the company for 30 years or five, you know, you need to be sure that you know where you're heading and where your next role is going to be and mm -hmm. what your next role is going to be. Uh, mm -hmm. so How only, do you do that? Like yeah, so what, what do you, yeah, what do you recommend they do? It, it sounds pretty simple, but it's actually not so simple in practice. So we usually recommend um, that you have a repatriation plan. Or, you know, if you're one of those global nomads that we see more and more, that you have at least what we call a transition plan. Yeah, mm -hmm. So that you already have the next role that you want to achieve in mind, mm. you know, when you plan your career, when you plan your learning, and when you think about, okay, where do I want to go next? Mm. Mm -hmm. We actually have a tool that facilitates that in our company. And um, a transition plan can be something very basic. You know, it could be a one-pager. But I think it's really important that the uh, that that you as the expat, you know, you you really make sure. Okay, you think about your next role. You think about the skills that you need to have, the expertise that you need to develop, the experience that you need to further. But also, most importantly, that you network, yeah, mm -hmm. so that you actually have a realistic chance mm -hmm. to get that role. For example, back in headquarters or wherever you have been coming from. Right. Um, it's often and, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, and unfortunately, those two, um, those two uh, initial scenarios I was talking about, no role back at home, severance package, um, repatriating um, for early retirement at like 55 
has become quite normal. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I've been, uh, let's talk about Paul, for example, director of a global bank. He worked um, in Asia for 15 years, returning home. Um, maybe there's a job for him in another company, but within uh, his own company, he's probably not going to find an equivalent role where, as you said, you know, the career needs are met. So I think, mm -hmm. first of all, you also need to think about, okay, what kind of role am I expecting when I come back? And as you said, you know, um, we call that the psychological contract. Yeah, there mm -hmm. is a psychological contract. It's not always written down what we're expecting of our employer, what we associate with going abroad, why we do that, how we're motivated. And here, I think the recommendation is make sure this is explicitly written down somewhere. It's in mm -hmm. your file. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. as we know, the pace of change is becoming crazy. Yeah. Companies restructure all the time. The people that were in headquarters, for example, when you were sent abroad three years mm -hmm. ago, they've all gone. Yeah. Yes. So make sure that at least this repatriation plan is on file and that you regularly, usually you get a home leave every year. When you do your home leave, you go to the headquarters, you meet your sponsors, you meet the people who follow who followed your the sponsor that you know was uh, responsible when you were sent out, mm -hmm. and that you update this contract. That's wonderful. I I have never heard anybody talk about that before, but what I have experienced is watching a top level leader lose their position at fifty plus and then go back home mm -hmm. when they're like, oh, what are we gonna do with our kids in college now that we don't have, right? It, it puts the entire family in a spin and then you feel betrayed because you have 15 years of loyalty in your company and you feel yeah. like you're almost kicked out of the door. Yeah, yeah. So this is a way to navigate that. That's another, really another thing, in addition to the transition plan, I, I always recommend this to anybody anyway, but mm -hmm. you know, update your CV regularly. Don't mm -hmm. start with your CV when you're 55. Update <laughs> it regularly, have a LinkedIn profile, mm -hmm. learn networking, start networking earlier, own your brand, yeah? yes. own your career, own your brand. Yes. Um, so I think this is, this is key. Then, I mean, we, we talked about psychological contract, but what a lot of people underestimate is also the re-entry shock that they mm -hmm. experience when returning back. It's not all milk and honey when you come back to your home country. They don't have support uh, support anymore like they used to have. Yeah. So it's a lot of things, you know, that slowly, slowly lead into this valley of tears, into this disappointment curve. Mm -hmm. And it's often, um, it's often harder returning home than going abroad in the first instance. Right, right. And you've also changed while you're abroad and you want to reintegrate seamlessly, but there's a discrepancy between who you've become and who you were when you left. So that's a huge adaptation. Totally, yeah, yeah. Period. This is really important. And I just wanna, I wanna emphasize that for everybody who's watching this, that this idea of owning your brand and getting prepared, like do not overlook this because this is what will make the difference from a secure transition in terms of your finances or your career and a psychologically more stable transition for your entire family. Mm, really important. What else should people think about when they're, when they're have repatriation somewhere in their future? Let's assume, you know, you have this psychological topics under control. Um, you also have your transition plan, you know, you feel like you're owning your career, you updated your CV, et cetera. Um, 
another topic that I think um, would really help is you already negotiated a repatriation package mm. in your assignment letter. Okay. Um, especially if there's no return guarantee. Mm -hmm. So in Europe, usually we have to give uh, our expats a return guarantee for social security reasons. But for example, in the US, in the UK, it's not common. You're off mm -hmm. the payroll and, you know, it's hiring at will. Mm -hmm. So if you could at least uh, try to negotiate the case when your stint abroad uh, ends, you know, that you will get a repatriation package. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Most policies actually have repatriation packages. But that doesn't necessarily mean that your employer will just give it to you freely. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think really important that you you add this into your assignment letter. Right, um, and and you don't want to have to try to figure this out in a sense of panic at the very end if something changes and new people, new relationships, and corporate are there. I love that idea. That's a great tip. Yeah, yeah. You also have to think about so logistics. Um, you want to work with professionals, obviously, you know, there's so much stress with the move, you really want to use a professional moving company. We've just seen some data on LinkedIn um, around people trying to organize their own moves. A lot of people say they would never do it again, because it's so stressful. And I really, I'm really convinced you can't really be cheap here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't try to save money on these kind of aspects. Work with professionals, accredited companies by Feedy, mm -hmm. for example. Do not let uh, all of this um, platform thinking create a situation where, you know, maybe your goods get lost at sea and then you don't have insurance and things mm -hmm. like that. So mm -hmm. really important to work with professionals. Mm -hmm. Same, obviously, um, is true for immigration. Imagine our friend Paul, uh, having been abroad for so many years, he got married to someone from the host country and their kids, they have a different nationality or mm -hmm. they have a dual nationality. Um, but what a lot of people don't think about, for example, when you um, return to Switzerland with your partner from a different culture, mm -hmm. husband, wife, they have to have a certain amount of or a certain language requirement. Yeah. So it is actually expected that they speak German or French at B2 level or B1 level. And that um, takes years. That takes years. That takes a long time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, no matter whether that's, that makes sense or not, but there could yeah. be things like that that really make the immigration for your for your spouse difficult. Right. And what I'm what I'm increasingly frustrated about, I'm sorry to say that bluntly, mm -hmm. but a lot of my colleagues in HR, they don't really understand that. Yeah, because mm -hmm. they have always lived in the same country. Mm -hmm. So for them, it's like, why would we even care about their partners? This is their personal decision, their personal mm -hmm. issue. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, no, no, <laughs> we mm -hmm. need to take care of their partners. Yeah. And if the partner has a different nationality and if there's a challenge with uh, bringing the partner back to the home country, we should be supporting. But this yeah. is not widespread thinking. This is not widespread right. knowledge. That's why, you right. know, you probably will need to invest in an immigration support if you haven't negotiated that with your company. This is so this is exactly the reason why having a relationship with someone like you who has deep experience in global mobility makes sense. Because what I'm also hearing is if that couple had heard about this two years before they repatriate, they can start working in immigration, they can get the partner in language classes. Mm -hmm. So it will actually curb the transition and make it more smooth. But if it's eight weeks before you fly out, 
um, then we're in a totally different dynamic. That's, yeah. that's yeah. really important. Yeah. yeah. And let's, let's assume, you know, you are ready for early retirement. Mm-hmm. You might be 55 now, mm-hmm. um, but maybe your partner is younger than you are. And right. then they will also will need a job. They might need spousal career support or any mm-hmm. kind of support so that they land a job in the, in, in your home country. Yep. So I think uh, there's a lot of things to consider around planning um, but as I said already, you know, just work with the professionals and also mm-hmm. make sure that you negotiate a good package for your repatriation, yeah. especially if the company offers you a severance payment, a severance mm-hmm. package. Right. And I guess that leads me to the, the, the final point I thought would be really important, Sunday, to mention just from experience. Um, Many expats, even if they have been abroad for many years, they still have a misconception about the tax systems and how mm-hmm. double taxation treaties work. Um, that's usually because they get tax support. Yeah? So usually, you know, you have an external tax provider and they give them support. And for example, if you negotiate a severance package with your employer, or um, if you have been part of an international pension plan and the pension plan pays out Um, all of your funds at a certain um, point in time, plan this carefully and really make sure that you're not disadvantaged because of the move back to the home country. Mm -hmm. So plan this carefully with a tax consultant and make sure that you really understand the ins and outs of this um, taxation on these um, payments. Mm -hmm. Because it could be that, you know, you assume something about it and it's totally incorrect. Right. Right. So this oh. is a story I hear also from colleagues, from friends. Um, and um, yeah, I, I really think, you know, you could avoid these kind of situations if you had a good um, consultation before. Right. And people might be hesitant to invest in a professional because it's expensive, but I'm guessing it's more expensive <laughs> to not do diligence. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, there's so much here, Angie, and I want to just download everything that you know about global mobility, but this is a already a huge amount for people to benefit from, just that alone. I'm recommending people who have listened to really take this seriously, because what you've shared, I always see on the other end, mm-hmm. but from the pain perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Don't do that. And then in my coaching process, I watch the, the, the reality of what that means, right? And yeah. that's why I just, I know how important what you're saying is yeah. because I know what happens when you don't. Yeah. And right? uh, I mean, you know, I mean, generally I would say I'm sometimes surprised with what kind of a naive thinking um, our HR colleagues send people on international assignments Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I can really only um, advise people to check everything carefully. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes in my career as well. And I, when I was ju- a junior HR consultant, I probably also gave some incorrect advice um, mm-hmm. 20 years back. But I, I really think people don't do this out of bad intentions or something. It's just, as I said, there are often a lot of misconceptions. Right. And the tax and social security and immigration law are very difficult to grasp if you, you know, if you think about the globe. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a profession that is completely underestimated often. Mm-hmm. And people think, you know, this is just common sense, but it's usually not common sense. It's usually right. exactly the other way around, <laughs> <laughs> which is why we say uh, it's rocket science, right? right? Our field. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and Sandy, I also wanted to share a few um, hope stories. Yes, so, please, um, please. Thinking, yeah. So obviously, you know, people have a lot of reasons now within the repatriate uh, within the pandemic to repatriate to take care of elder relatives, um, and a lot of people are also thinking about after this long stretch now that we had, where you know we couldn't see family, etc., to take a long vacation, for example, in the summer, which I think is an excellent idea to see the families, to see go mm -hmm. back to the home office, uh, the headquarter. Um, but also, you know, to build personal relationships again. Um, but I also, I hear, you know, from expats who are getting sort of at the end of their assignment and they're saying, look, you know, the next thing I'm going to do, I'm going to move into a different career. I'm 58. I've just started a PhD program. I want to, I want to become a teacher at a university level. You know, so they're already thinking about the next step and it's never too late, you know, to change your career and start something new mm -hmm. or they start a consulting business or, or their partner starts their own business. So I think, you know, also the beauty of leveraging your um, expat experience to build on something and build something new and work in an, a new environment, even if you're like 55 plus, I right. think, you know, that makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I really think, you know, this, this is such a, a wonderful experience to have. So it's really important to think about how can I use it to, mm -hmm. to the best of, of my life as well. Right. Like repatriation isn't an end. It could be the beginning of something really, really amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. It's amazing. And I just want to shout it from the rooftops <laughs> for people. So I really appreciate your contribution today. It was wonderful. Thank you so much, Sunday. So there you have it, a wake-up call to have a repatriation plan on the books, even if it is the furthest thing from your mind. Straight talk on the sometimes annoying or expensive aspects that need to be considered, but will save you mountains of money, time, and headache later and even a ray of hope about what is possible for expected or even unexpected changes later in your career. Make sure you join us next week where we answer a third question we all love to avoid when it comes to the realities of expat life. You've been listening to Expat Happy Hour with Sunday Schneider Bean. Thank you for listening. I'll leave you with the words from British author Terry Pratchett. Coming back to where you started is not the same as never. Ha <laughs> ha